So, uh, welcome to our first podcast. I'd like to introduce the first interviewees of the podcast, Sophia George, President, Manager, and Co-Founder of Ocean Alive, and Raquel Gaspar, PhD Marine Biologist, CEO, and Co-Founder of Ocean Alive. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thank you. You? <laughs> Good. Uh, could you give us um, a little intro on yourselves and tell us a bit about where you come from and your background? Okay, of course, yes. First of all, I would say thank you very much for thinking about Ocean Alive for your first podcast. We're very proud to be here. Um, I'm Sophia. I'm 53 years old. Um, I was born in Angola, near the ocean. I or originally uh, studied uh, economics and business, and uh, I know Raquel for some time. Uh, and uh, I'm very proud that uh, some years ago, eight years ago, Raquel invited me to be the co-founder of uh, this cooperative uh, Ocean Alive. Yes, um, I'm also 53, almost 54, a mother of three children. I am a marine biologist. I love the ocean. Um, and uh, the reason why the Ocean Alive was created was because um, for 20 years, I studied the bottlenose dolphin population here, living in the Southwest Ferry. And as a researcher, I wanted to understand how could we save the dolphin population that was declining. And then I ended up understanding that in order to save the dolphins, those symbolic creatures we see in the ocean, uh, we need to save the habitat that supports them. And that's when I decided to create uh, the NGO um, and ask um, support, uh, Sophia and mm -hmm. the other co-founders. Great, great to know uh, a little bit more about where the company comes from. Uh, now, I know along the way that I'm sure you'll, you'll have encountered problems and surprises in setting up your, your company. So, do you have uh, any advice, or could you share any of the, any of these experiences and facing uh, these problems with our audience? Uh, well, yes, persistent, persistent, and persistence is one of the uh, rules. Uh, don't give up. Uh, it's very difficult in the beginning. Raquel can, uh, I think, uh, vow for. Uh, it's very difficult to start uh, NGO, um, but to make it last uh, and expand uh, the views is even more difficult to, like Raquel, tries to uh, change uh, behaviors in people. Uh, one thing, uh, I think Raquel, in the beginning, uh, what did you find it was your biggest problem? Well, uh, as Fia said, uh, persistence and resilience is actually the, gift, the big gifts we need to have to carry on a mission for uh, changing behaviors. Um, mm -hmm. But I do think that uh, having crisis and holes along our way that makes us going down are actually a virtue because they, they offers us the, the possibility to face a challenge and often when we succeed we will be better fitted and with a new vision. Great. Now, I know um, personally for me, 
the love of the ocean comes from being born in Santander. There's just something that pulls me towards the ocean. But for you, for both of you, what what was what's that thing that pulls you towards the ocean? Mm-hmm. That's a very uh, well many things call me to uh, towards the ocean. Um, first of all, is uh, unknown is one of the biggest areas that are unknown. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't explain and you don't use the scientific knowledge of the people that know about it and uh, explain to people what there is beneath it. You know, you, you carry on being unknown. You carry on being, you know, not being a complete or more complete. Um, I'm a sailor. I love the sea. Uh, and I, I love to keeping it able to be sailed again and again without having to bump on, uh, you know, rubbish and uh, whatever sometimes you uh, find in it. I don't know, Raquel, what drags you to the ocean? I I truly have an emotional, I would say, embryonic relationship with the ocean and with the sea. Um, I used to say that the ocean is my time. If I don't have the ocean, I cannot exist. <laughs> so, yeah, I... We all it's, water, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a truly love and uh, mm. it's the sense of my existence, actually. <laughs> Yeah, there's sort of this inexplicable um, connection to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you, because of Ocean's Alive, uh, because of the great initiative that Ocean Alive is, received a number of, of prizes and recognitions. Uh, I mean, uh, amongst which are the Yves Rochers uh, Femme de Terres Award, the Scientific Merit Medal awarded by the Portuguese Ministry, and the third place at the Adger Awards. How important is it that this type of work is recognized in order for you to, to keep going. Do you remember, Sophia, when we were in 2016 <laughs> yes. receiving our first award? Uh, when... Yeah, it, it was quite, uh, first of all, it was a challenge for us to be in, uh, you know, in, in a position to meet the pri- president and uh, be given this first award as ideas that can help. Uh, mm-hmm. the society, you know, or ideas to that can be implemented and give people that are from uh, a minor background to find a way uh, and help in a, a society, because that that's a very important, uh, um, I think is a very important uh, uh, issue for Ocean Alive, is that uh, uh, we give merit to, you know, not, not only as as the company but other entities that have known uh, in community like a lower value for example a fisher woman uh, mm-hmm. to be able to say we use them as uh, uh, teaching you know uh, scientific people it's it's amazing isn't it you you have the role that are inverted and i think mm-hmm. whenever Raquel wins a prize for the work she did to uh, show that that is possible. It's it's a very good recognition for Ocean Alive itself. He puts us in, in the map. He, put, mm-hmm. he puts us in a, a context, a political, economical, social context, because mm-hmm. the price is given for a good quality and uh, you know, a work that Raquel presented and uh, managed to certify. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So any any prizes we win is always good for Ocean Alive. And every time we win one also gives you also incentive to carry on your mission mm -hmm. and go further. And uh, I yeah. think, you know, and Raquel winning the Femme de Terre is... Uh, mm -hmm. I can say that when we, when we started uh, during the first years, uh, the words were really the only light that was shining on us mm. because when you were little and poorly known, if you have an award uh, like that one received that was attributed by the president of Portugal, uh, that was really big for us. And and yes, it's taking, it, yes, it, it gives us credibility, which is very important for for NGO, of course. Great. And now most of Ocean's Alive uh, goal is to do with the sea grouse uh, meadows and maintaining those and, uh, you know, keeping them healthy. Do you think you could explain to our listeners, first of all, what, what a seagrass meadow is and why they are so crucial to the, to the ocean environment? Yes, seagrass meadows are uh, marine plants that uh, form a kind of a meadow uh, in, in the sea. They are also uh, called uh, marine forests. Actually, they function like a forest. They offer a place to live, to hide for all creatures. Creatures uh, in very emblematic like the seahorse, but also marine animals that we eat, uh, certain fishes or cuttlefish that need, uh, or the codfish, for instance, that need this habitat on a certain phase of their life. So besides being a nursery ground made by plants uh, in the sea, they also offer us many other benefits. Um, they clean the water um, because they're plants, they produce oxygen, um, but also an important contribution to nowadays issue about climate change is that they are really very efficient carbon sinks. And not only because of the biomass, the plants represent themselves, but especially because they bury the carbon in the marine sediment. And there, where no oxygen exists, the carbon stays like in a bunker, kind of sealed and that is sequestered, that means uh, far away from the system, not to be metabolized. Mm -hmm. And this is an important um, role, but also all the others and all together uh, make uh, seagrass meadows one of the most important uh, habitats in the marine systems. The issue is that uh, seagrass meadows, uh, they live in calm bays, in estuaries, where mm -hmm. all the humans also really like very much to develop their activities. Mm -hmm. And the issue is that um, not many years ago, uh, we lost almost half of the seagrass meadows in Europe. In certain places, for instance, in UK, the loss was over or around 90%. Uh, it's also, they, so they become values when you, when you have little of something, uh, that yeah. also becomes values by itself. And I think that is a, uh, one of the values of, of, the, of the seagrass meadows is because of they're now so rare that mm -hmm. 
we we cannot afford more to lose them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree. I mean, as is uh, the norm for most things now. You know, the problem uh, is humans. But <laughs> uh, I know that one of your first, very first initiatives was um, Keepers of the Sea, which empowered the the fisherwomen of the Saju Estuary and gave them gave them a, a say in the restoration of their of their seagrass meadows. Could you talk to me about about that initiative? Uh, I think I think uh, David is also important to say that uh, for a normal person, and I say normal person, anyone that uh, lives inland, um, mm -hmm. you only take uh, account of what you see. You do not see the seagrass meadows because unless you live near the coast, mm -hmm. um, and only the people that depend on them. Uh, will have an interest on it, and uh, is important for two 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 points. First, you give awareness to everyone else of what sea meadows is, how important they are, and mm -hmm. secondly, because by um, giving empowering these ladies, these women, uh, you also make them uh, part of the resolving the problem. Okay. Uh, yeah. these keepers of the sea what they do is they try to uh, spread the knowledge of uh, how to uh, have good behavior in how to protect these uh, seagrass meadows um, mm -hmm. you know and we, we needed to use them because no one else has an interest in it for the moment uh, you know is when you put the science behind it that you can say okay if they're so important because they have uh, consumption of carbon much higher than the forests in land, then mm -hmm. you, you attack other, um, you know, more important people. But to, to protect these things, you need to use the ladies that depend on them. And, and, and they are fishmen women, okay? In Portugal, in Sado, it's the woman that fish. The men just drive the boat and they know, they have the knowledge, okay? They, they have the knowledge where the fish are, therefore where the meadows are nearby or something. So, so they have better knowledge than the scientists to map them, correct, Raquel? You're the scientist. Now you yes. have to step in. They know, they knew where, they know where the, the meadows are. And with that knowledge, just by simply having a GPS on the hand, the meadows are now mapped. Um, but I think uh, beside giving this uh, knowledge a renewable, a renewable or mm -hmm. a new use of their knowledge or wisdom, mm -hmm. I think that uh, the innovation of Keepers of the Sea is really about new jobs. What we showed is that people that depend on the ocean can also have other jobs like uh, educating the others or changing the behaviors of others or helping the scientists in getting information, changing their peers and in relation to, to, to the threats of the seagrass meadows. Uh, Sophia was commenting the fact that how important is their influence um, to, through the peers and the community in um, not throwing an anchor in the seagrass meadows, but outside, um, because the anchors uh, uh, broke the plants and, and 
degrade uh, seagrass meadows. Basi basically makes like a Swiss cheese full of mm -hmm. holes everywhere instead of a full carpet. Mm -hmm. But um, just to sum up, I think the Keepers of the Sea initiative gives voice to women of the sea, to women, mm -hmm. gives them a new role. And especially what our project wants to show to the world, let's say, in terms mm -hmm. of innovation is that, yes, we can look at the ocean not only as extract a place where we can extract, we can also look to the ocean as a place where we have a job in um, giving back to the ocean, either because of this service, education, changing behavior, science, but also um, in a further step, for instance, uh, cultivating algae and uh, creating uh, a place for clams to to grow instead mm -hmm. of going just into the sea to extract them. So I think all this uh, renovation, not only in the jobs of the persons, but in the way we we extract from the ocean, is is behind this is enclosed uh, mm -hmm. in the keepers of the sea um, idea. Yeah, yeah. So you talked a lot about how it was uh, important to change uh, perspectives and uh, and attitudes towards the, towards the ocean. And I know that one such initiative to do that is Omar Dabon Klima. Uh, how, what's the most difficult thing about creating this um, change at all levels, you know, at institutional levels, uh, uh, in the government? How, how difficult is it to, to create this change? Uh, well, um, in, in my view, huh, and I, I'm giving my view, uh, <laughs> Politicians and governments sometimes have so many challenges and difficulties in getting, you know, our initiatives uh, in their agenda. Is 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 really, you know, uh, keeping the meadows, for example, uh, mm -hmm. which is so important uh, for an ecosystem uh, in a region of Sado, for example. It does not have an impact in the prime minister. <laughs> And, and mm -hmm. to get to get the priority up uh, is, is quite challenging. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, we saw today, for instance, yes. uh, we've just been today in an education visit workshop with, yeah. workshop yeah. with yeah. Enterprise and yeah. with the governmental institutions. And these people usually don't know anything about seagrasses or they knew that they heard about mm -hmm. it. What they didn't have is that an, uh, an experience, a di mm -hmm. direct experience. And one of the challenges is really having not a direct experience is yeah. far from the heart. Far from the, yeah. Yes, far, far from the heart. Far, <laughs> far from the view, far, far from the heart. Thank you. It is, it is it is not that they don't want to help they do want to help they know there's a uh, there's a, a strain of issues that are important to look after but mm -hmm. uh, he needs to be for example in in the culture we are is from the bottom up so you need to have a voice from the bottom that says look you need to do something because otherwise the sea meadows will disappear. If the sea meadows disappears, the ecosystem disappears and the dolphins will die. Therefore, mm -hmm. the tourists will not come to this area. So there, there's lots of things 
you have to do and you have you have to keep pressing to, to try mm -hmm. and grab their attention to therefore change their mm -hmm. behavior and you know ask them to help too because they're the ones that yeah. like Raquel says they're the decision makers mm -hmm. yes in the when the minister of the sea came to dive here and mm -hmm. also um people from the Portuguese Environmental Agency um, with this project, with Marda Clima, and with the help of the Portuguese and international scientists, we were able uh, to convince the government to that uh, seagrass meadows and also salt marshes are natural carbon sinks eligible for our carbon neutrality strategy. And today, mm -hmm. They are part of our climate law. And Marda Bonclima was the project that gave us the roots and structure to, to be able to do this. Do you think it's becoming increasingly easy to, to, convince, to convince them? Or, you know, with, the way, with this wave of uh, looking to a greener future, to a carbon neutral future, are these yes. sort of initiatives easier to, to implement? Yes, because now uh, w w when we started, we were just a little NGO with seeking mm -hmm. scientists at, uh, support. Mm -hmm. And now the very important foundation in Portugal, mm -hmm. the Gulbenkian Foundation, has now a program just to promote uh, the blue carbon credits. Mm -hmm. Also, they uh, supported all the research necessary to do an inventory along all the coasts in Portugal to know where do we have these ecosystems, how much area do they have, how much carbon can we expect them to sequester. So, so yes, uh, today it's fashion. Blue carbon mm -hmm. is a fashion okay. thing. So mm -hmm. it's like the plastic. I always remember when we started the shell fishing without litter. Mm -hmm. first campaigns now you just don't need to say anything to the people now people know plastic is wrong it's in the ocean exactly, yeah. but before mm -hmm. when we started they didn't have that conscience mm -hmm. so yes things yeah. when things get bad uh, i think things... yeah i think <laughs> one, one thing in the in the workshop we had today is we wanted to show uh in situ the difference between the carbon uh, sequestered by normal, uh, you know, uh, land forests and the one uh, in mm -hmm. the sea. So we visited today um, seagrass meadow and we extracted uh, a core and the core was not further than, you know, a palm long. And you could see through the, you know, the difference and the, the color of the sediment that the amount of carbon, carbon sequestered by the seagrass meadows uh, is, uh, tell me the numbers, you are the scientist. Uh, <laughs> on average is 30% more efficient. So 30 seagrass, more. yes. So 30 so times more efficient. That means you, you need, uh, if you have one foot field area of seagrass meadows, you need 30 football fields of, of forest. terrestrial forest to do the same job at, as sequestering carbon. So, so you can imagine, David, if, if, if you have uh, an area like the Amazon and does the job it does, unfortunately, as humans, we are destroying it, uh, mm -hmm. 
if you have the same area under the water, okay, protected, mm -hmm. you can see that the impact of the blue carbon is quite, quite big. So what we need as humans, we need to pay attention for the nature and use mm -hmm. it, you know, and pre preserve and try to regenerate what we, in the last decade, broke down in Europe, okay? And mm -hmm. I, I'm in Europe because hopefully it's one of the continents that has a little bit more awareness and keenness to change. Mm -hmm. But yeah. pay attention, especially to the listeners. Uh, mm. Terrestrial forests and marine forests are not the solution. No, they're not the solution enough. is to stop the emissions. Mm -hmm. If we stop the emissions now, we would still have a lot of CO2 in the atmosphere and all the system and the eating everywhere. Mm -hmm. But then they would be a good solution because at that time we would need to accelerate the sequester of the carbon that is still in the system. So it's they a are a complement, yes, yeah. it's a combination. It's a but combination. the issue is still is still mm -hmm. to stop the emissions mm -hmm. and of course not to lose what we have today. Mm -hmm not to afford to lose them because mm -hmm. they're um, restoring a natural mm -hmm. habitat like this of seagrass meadow or salt marsh or a mangrove, which are blue forests, also the kelp forests to restore all these ecosystems, especially the seagrass meadows that I know more. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. really takes many, many years to get mm -hmm. a mature system that can provide the same benefits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Um, I know that before the pandemic, you hosted some summer camps in Portugal uh, with the aim of fostering a greater understanding amongst the young generation about the challenges the ocean ecosystems face, but also, you know, what we should be doing. Uh, could you explain to us how impactful these sort of initiatives are and how important it is to, to raise awareness amongst the younger generation? Uh, it's basically the need. Mm -hmm. uh, you see, young people, no matter what their role, profession, function will be within a few years, they will be decision makers. And it's crucial that anyone, especially those that will not be marine biologists, <laughs> uh, will have the knowledge about the status of the ocean today, because the economists, the, the chemistries, the sociologists, the politicians of tomorrow, uh, if they don't have that knowledge, they will mm -hmm. not have so much um, easy a uh, role. But on top of this, the Ocean Life Camp is a connection, an emotional connection with the ocean, with the culture, mm -hmm. Um, with engagement of the local community, of the keepers of the sea. It's a mix of sports, surf, kayaking, snorkeling, um, doing uh, citizen science, doing voluntary service, and also learning science. Um, and all these together, mixed and boiled with a mix of young people, with different backgrounds, with different countries. It's unforgettable. It creates um, a footprint in their, in their way, in their vision. All we need today 
is a new vision, a new sight, a new way of looking through the things. And this is what we want to um, trigger mm -hmm. on the Potion Life Camp. And I mm -hmm. think we really succeeded because not only we have people already that were on these camps that are now working with us, mm -hmm. um, many of them will not be because they were, were from different countries. Yeah. But you're spreading the world. Yes, we're spreading the words, and exactly, and 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 you, you open their curiosity and their knowledge. So, mm -hmm. and, and it's quite good because sometimes the word of mouth makes, you know, goes a, one, a, a long way. And we have now some people that uh, from countries uh, that came, uh, you know, and maybe friends of them are saying, oh, you know, when is another Ocean Life camp? I heard it was. Very good, and I want to go. And uh, each person you touch with a message you want to give about awareness of the sea is a good person. <laughs> is is a, a another little step for the future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, the importance is that everyone knows it and feels and wake up the role mm. they have in keeping the ocean alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so should we be expecting? A summer camp uh, this year, or well, uh, yes, yes, we, <laughs> yeah, we we working for it. Um, maybe more than one, you know, depending mm -hmm. if we have the structure and the people to help, uh, would be very nice. We would love to have many people willing to inscribe themselves. We have a page in our in our website mm -hmm. just dedicated to the Ocean Life Camp. Uh, yeah, okay. so for our listeners, if you're looking to go uh, and spend summer in Portugal and learn about the ocean, you know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I want to ask for the future. What do you envision our future? Do you have uh, hope for our future? Uh, do you think we'll solve the climate crisis from your experience in the in the field? Is it looking good or, or uh, are we doomed? <laughs> I hope there's hope. There's always hope. The hope is the last thing to die. Yeah. But uh, I think, I think I, I'm optimistic that, uh, you know, the young generations will look and learn with the mistakes from the past ones and will act in a proactive way, not in a rea reactive way. Um, I think uh, social awareness and uh, the development of new technologies, uh, and they, they advance very, very fast, but they have, mm -hmm. you know, uh, hopefully they will advance in a positive way and will enable us to protect and, uh, the, you know, the ecosystem, therefore the climate will st stabilize. Uh, you know, of course, we all have to work together. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, from small to big, left to right, everything. Uh, and, and I do hope, I hope that uh, my kids and my grandkids will be able to enjoy the world and the nature, you know, as I did when I was young, I still do sometimes. I see that there is only one direction, is the direction of the moving we believe to go. Mm -hmm. And... I think it's 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 not good when we are looking around or to the sides, mm -hmm. because sincerely, uh, when I do this, I think, what am I going to do here or what am I doing here? So mm -hmm. I really found out that 
there's only one way of being here is truly going uh, in the direction we believe into. And my direction is really, you know, doing my job is conquering hearts, conquering um, people um, to change um, the way they look, uh, how we live in today. And of course, bringing that hope, but acting. Um, uh, I think the people need to 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 feel that by themselves. And mm -hmm. it's not in my hands to do this, but it's in my hands to show to the others that I'm, you know, I'm really sure what I'm doing. And this is, and I don't have doubts <laughs> going. Yeah, I truly, yeah, I truly, I want to have hope. And I think we, we are looking for ways to, to solve the climate crisis and initiatives such as yours, you know, give me, give me hope for the future. But what, what's next <laughs> on, on the horizon for Ocean Life? What, what are your, some of your upcoming projects? Yes. Um, so we established in 2016 that we would solve three problems that were degrading the seagrass meadows. We are mm -hmm. now on the horizon to have the third one, which is really the tricky one, which mm -hmm. is, is the shellfishing harvesting uh, mm -hmm. for clams that is uh, practice uh, that is being practices with destructive uh, techniques by digging in the seagrass meadow. This means not only changing this problem to eliminate this issue from being a problem that is now today at the moment we are here disrupting the seagrass meadows, not only where we live in the Southwest Valley, but everywhere else. Uh, so it's, this is a global problem. And so our ambition now is creating a model with the local people, with the mm -hmm. local shellfishers. Um, I think the first really ambition will be next year. First, because we don't have all the money we need to go on to this project. But th the really ambition is to get them in, into our team. So we will need to work with shellfishers on our team to do this. We want to understand their needs, to understand their incomes, where they come from, um, what are the techniques. And they need to understand why we need to preserve the seagrass meadows. Mm -hmm. and create a kind of a consensus, non-touch areas, no-takes areas, and then come, in, come with the science, science mm -hmm. to prove yeah. that uh, what are we really receiving from non-touching the seagrass medicine, keeping them alive, mm -hmm. where, where is. And also the real ambition of the, of the next year, not next year, but the, the incoming year, years, yeah. It's mm -hmm. a five-year project. Is really what I said in the beginning, to find out an alternative way of producing uh, clams in uh, vertical um, marine farms with with the algae, and also uh, to produce um, marine plants uh, for, for instance, rice mm -hmm. for culinary to eat. Or, or or to because the seeds of the marine plants can can be used uh, to f to feed, but especially for uh, transplanting, for creating new new seagrass meadows. So yes, so the ambition is really again changing behavior, yeah. changing the life of yeah. the people, regulate, putting science to show the numbers, the figures we need to to, mm -hmm. to convince the politics 
mm. uh, and and you know giving these people another initiative another opportunity to look to the ocean uh, to earn their job but also to let the ocean um, re renew and replenish it's important to, to say it's, it's quite an ambition project and uh, we will need lots of uh, help uh, mm -hmm. you know financial help uh, scientific help but we wanted to demonstrate and we wanted to create a model that we can export to anywhere mm -hmm. in the world where fishing for clams uh, is more destructive than really uh, you know um, other fishing uh, one thing is true is uh, when you have a problem in land uh, because you can see it you try to create alternatives that's what we want we want to try and create alternatives to uh, harvest or produce uh, the uh, substance of these people the fishermen you know you, they they need to have the clams to to survive because that's what they do they clams harvesters and uh, to do that instead of uh, doing it in a destructive way we need to create them uh, tools that they can use and uh, create like uh, clams nurseries mm -hmm. is what what you know ocean alive will have a main project and we hope that we will achieve and i hope we can gather the money to <laughs> finish the project great well that that's that's all the questions uh i had on on my side it was great having you both and giving us an overview on ocean alive i'm sure our our listeners will Will be touched and do you have any final messages you'd like to to leave or uh, i'd like to thank you uh, and the interest and uh you know we invite everyone that is listening to go into our web page and please contact us uh, we have mm -hmm. many activities uh you know we would like to also hear some ideas comments you know uh sink sea sink water uh, <laughs> i don't know great well um, it was great to hear from you again, and I hope you had thank fun you. you, and thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you, David. Thank, thank you, David, for this opportunity. Thank you all very much for listening to the very first episode of this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something about Seagrass Meadows and about the great initiative that Ocean Life presents. And I hope to see you in episode two in Talking Ocean Clear.